I love to watch uh, Home and Garden TV. Anybody watch HGTV? I know it's kind of weird. Um, but here's the thing I love to watch. I love to watch visions take place, right? All these old homes that have um, maybe been run down, but then somebody comes in and sees it in a new way and really renovates it to make it uh, a place where people want to live. And the last week I was watching HGTV and I happened upon the show and they had four designers that had four different houses, but they were all identical. So they could do whatever they wanted to those houses to up the ante to make sure that it got appraised for the most money. And that was the whole objective. And so over the course of several weeks, they started seeing the different visions. Some of them focused on just the kitchen and made the kitchen amazing. And some focused on the master bathroom and made the master bathroom amazing. And, and then a couple of them focused on adding bedrooms and making it uh, more appealing to that style but through it all they all had their own vision and their own vision started playing out and I loved it because when I started thinking about it God does that in our lives right I have a, a dream or a vision that is playing out and you guys have a dream or a vision that God's put in your heart and is playing out in your heart and as we think about this I started thinking about my dream when I was in elementary school or even later in life and when I was in high school, early college, my dream was that I was going to work a normal job, which um, that I would get off at five o'clock, which if you know anything about youth pastoring, that doesn't happen. Um, my also dream was that I was going to live in a house with a white picket fence and I was going to come home and everything was put together. I have four kids that are five years apart. I don't think that happens very often. Uh, and then also I was like, oh, well, and then the American dream is 2.5 kids. And I always thought that was interesting. How do you get 0.5 kids? Um, but, you know, as I started thinking about this, God's put a vision and a dream into all of our hearts. And he does it in the Bible, too. And we're going to be in Exodus first, chapter 3. So if you guys want to turn there. But I, I think about David as you guys are turning Think about David, and he has this dream, but part of it was he goes up, and he is going to confront Goliath, right? And he says, God's got me. But Saul, in his vision, in his dream, was like, you can't go, and I'm going to give you my armor. So David puts on his armor, and it doesn't fit. It's just funky. It just doesn't fit. He says, no, God's got me. I'm going to go with Goliath with a slingshot and a rock. I mean, that's a God-sized vision, right? A God-sized vision because no sane person would go against a giant with a rock and a slingshot. I'd be running the other way. But David has taken the steps that needs to to have this God size vision and then we we go on and I, I just keep thinking about different all oh, it's it's chalk the Bible's chock full of these people that have God-sized visions but the ones that I'm going to focus on are Moses and Joshua and Moses and Joshua have a God-sized vision because they have promised land right Moses 
has this promised land. But Moses gets scared. If we look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard the cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hiveites, and the Jebusites. I love those names. Uh, the cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. And I think about this. One thing we do know about Moses is he had a speech impediment. He stuttered. And he says, I don't want to go. Moses, is, he was a slave. Well, he wasn't a slave, but he, he, he knew he was an Israelite. And he was raised and all he wanted to do, his dream was to be back with his people. That's all he wanted. And God says, I got a bigger dream for you. I want you to deliver my people from Pharaoh. Instead of Moses' dream was just to sit and be okay. He was okay being okay. He was okay being average. But God says, no, I have a bigger dream. I have a bigger vision for you. And that is to deliver my people and, and if we read on, you know, of course, Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh just says, that's not going to happen. And then after, like, seven, eight curses, he says, okay, never mind, get rid of these people. And he, he lets his people go through Moses. And if we look at that, it's, it's crazy because there's a guy named Joshua in this. And, and if we read the story of Moses, right, they come and they come to the promised land and Moses picks out 12 spies and if we think about this 12 of them go in to the promised land and how many of them say there's no way we're gonna be able to take this there's 10 of them 10 of them say that's not gonna happen and there's two that say we got this because God's vision is bigger. And those two are Joshua and Caleb. And if we look at Joshua, Joshua is really getting mentored by Moses. And Moses says, I'm going to pour into you. And if we look even further, right, Joshua and Caleb come out and say, we have this. But the ten say we don't. And that generation says, I don't think we should do this. And Joshua and Caleb are begging them to go because that's what God has called them to do, but they don't. So God says, I, I can cure this. We'll just march around the desert for 40 years, right? 40 years, I'm thinking, after about two weeks, I'm thinking, I'm going to repent and we are going to go take the promised land because I don't want to be walking around for 40 years. 
but they don't. And so God lets them walk around for 40 years. And if we look at this, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. That means the manna that they were eating is probably getting pretty old after 40 years. But you think about this. God has this vision. And in Joshua 1, we're going to jump to Joshua 1. It says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will have tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness of the Lebion, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, to the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, be, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that way you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart of out of your mouth you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful i hereby command you be strong and courageous do not be frightened or dismayed for the lord god your god is with you wherever you go Moses doesn't even get into the promised land. God's vision and dream was for him to get in there, but when he let the doubt set in, he doesn't get a go. Joshua leads that next generation into the promised land. And if we think about this, there's a couple things that we can pick up between Moses and Joshua. And if we're going to look at a God-sized vision, a bigger vision than us, a bigger dream than us, we're going to have to do a few things. In Exodus verse 10, it says, So come, I will send you to my Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. As I said before, Moses doesn't even think that he's qualified. But God says, I got you. And he also says, Moses doubts himself. So God says, I will send somebody with you. And he has this guy named Aaron. If we remember Aaron, Aaron goes with Moses to the Pharaoh. He helps Moses speak. But then also Aaron goes with him all the time. And when Moses goes against the uh, Amalekites, the Amalekites, he has to hold his arms up. And they're in this battle. And every time that his arms start to droop, the Israelites start to lose. And so Aaron, seeing that, I mean, days upon days of holding your arms up. Aaron goes and he says, I have you. And he 
holds his arms up with Moses. When Moses starts to get tired, he pulls up his arms and holds his arms up, and he doesn't do it alone. And so when we look about having a God-sized vision, we can't do it alone. And Joshua had Caleb to lean on as they were leading. And so if we're going to have a God-sized bigger uh, vision, it's harder than you can do by yourself. So as we look at, at this, if our God-sized vision is bigger and harder than we can do ourselves, then we have to have an Aaron in our life. We have to have somebody that is going to be our Aaron that is going to hold up our arms when we get tired. So who is your Aaron this morning? If we're going to have a God-sized vision, it's better than we can imagine, right? God said, I have this promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. And these people, the Israelites, couldn't imagine that. God even sent in 12 spies and 10 of them said it's flowing, but we can't get there. It's better than we can imagine. And, and I think about this. I moved from Boise, Idaho to Atchison, Kansas. And Boise was okay and it was good. But if I was going to think about my promised land being Atchison, Kansas, I don't know if I would have come. Uh, my idea of a promised land probably was not Atchison, Kansas, just because I never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. But God said, that's your promised land. Because here's how I know this, because my kids in two years of living in Boise never settled. They didn't have very many friends. They didn't love school. We fought them to get to school. But here we go and in six months, they've acclimated. They've gone and they love school. They love sports. They have a ton of friends. And it's not anything I've done, but it's something that God has done in a God-sized vision that I just said yes to. And so it's better than we can imagine. And also, if we're going to have a God-sized vision, it's impossible without faith, right? Moses and Joshua took steps as young men to put their faith in God. And if we don't have faith in God, then he can't work in our lives to have that God-sized vision. Our God-sized vision can't happen if we don't have faith in God. And when you have faith in God and that God-sized dream vision comes to fruition, it can't bring glory to us. It has to bring glory to God. If we look in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10 through 12, it says, Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants in his entire land and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. He gives God glory. It's not Moses doesn't take any of the glory. He gives it to God. So if our God-sized vision brings glory to us, it's not a God-sized vision. It's a, a Brad vision. And a God-sized vision lives in every one of our hearts. It's just a matter of asking for it. And so how do we have a God-sized vision? I would say if you can do it without faith, 
then it's not a God-sized vision. If we can do it on our own without faith in God, then that's a personal vision and a personal dream, not a God-sized dream. And then also, I'd say, if you can do it by yourself, if you don't need anybody else or any person to help you with this God-sized vision, then it's probably not a God-sized vision because we all need an Aaron in our lives to hold up our arms when we get weak and when we get tired. I think about missionaries across the world. They have prayer partners all over. And when they get tired, they're on the horn. They're calling people and they're saying, hey, I'm tired. I need help. So what's our God-sized vision? It's going to be different for you than it is for me. I never thought my God-sized vision would lead me to Atchison, Kansas, but it has. And I have an Aaron in my wife that holds me up. So I would ask you this morning, who's your Aaron and what's your God-sized vision? Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us. Invade this place, invade our hearts, and let us be open to what you have to say to us. In your son's name, amen.